0: From Humber College, in association with the Etobicoke Philharmonic Orchestra, my name is Mark Whale and this is the Music Listening Project podcast. Today we will focus on the fourth movement of Brahms' Third Symphony and with me to listen to it is Dr. Brady Polker. Brady is a retired professor emeritus in social and political thought at York University in Toronto. He has written books on a wide range of philosophers, authors and artists from Spinoza and Freud to Shakespeare and Wagner. He is a major sponsor of music in Toronto, including Opera Atelier and the series of concerts at Kerner Hall. Welcome, Brady. Thank you very much, Mark. So we will be beginning by listening to the opening of the Fourth Movement, and here it is performed by Otto Klempler with the Philharmonie Orchestra, and it was actually recorded in 1957. So why don't we stop there for a moment, just there, as the second subject is coming into play. So, Brady, what did you find interesting about that?
1: Well, I I think in general, Mark, I mean, obviously Brahms generally, there's a majesty uh, and a, a, a wonderful rich quality uh, throughout the orchestration. I mean, the, the strings and the and obviously the woodwinds and then also the drums, the timpani. Uh, but what I find particularly kind of attractive and, uh, and intriguing about the fourth movement is on the one hand, the 2-2 time signature uh, is very impulsive. Uh, and so it's, it's almost like a teeter-totter, back and forth, back and forth. And yet it's very dramatic. At the same time, it seems to me, it's almost like a lullaby. It has a sweetness to it. Uh, And uh, and it has an ease to it and so I think that that combination or that integration of the majesty But I'm going to call it for a moment the kind of lullaby and more peaceful quality uh, I I find uh, very moving indeed.
0: No, I think I think that's a really good point So you've got this incredibly quiet calm opening uh, Which is interestingly very clearly in two. I mean, it's quite not prosaic, but uh,
1: well, and that's why I mentioned, Mark almost like a teeter-totter. Back and that's forth right. it goes. That's right. Yeah.
0: And uh, let's it's just th- let's just listen to that. But okay. but then of course what happens is is you then get da 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 already within that you have this kind of slightly uh, off kilterness because it's there's a, there's a pickup. Um, let's let's just. just there mm-hmm.
1: no there's a wonderful sense of rhythm and uh, and uh, and it, it has an offbeat to it as you say mark and uh, and so it captures
0: your attention and and we're going to hear that da because then when the tune actually comes back and
1: But I think there, in particular, may, may I break in here? Yeah, sure. uh, yeah. I think there, in particular, uh, it's really interesting. It's very dramatic uh, and uh, and uh, and very impulsive. At the same time, I'm, I guess I'm repeating. It has that almost that swing rhythm. I mean, and and uh, and uh, and that's what I call the kind of more soothing or even sweet quality. Well, to that's
0: it. That's interesting. The swing, the swing rhythm. Yeah. So early jazz. So we've got the this opening, which is is very clearly into. The the, What did you call it? The The
1: teeter-totter.
0: Okay. That's right. So I think we're saying two things. You have the teeter-totter and then you have the pick-up almost syncopated da-da-dee which is then picked up later on uh, and we're going to you know it's interesting I always think you know how does a composer integrate his work or how does he give it a sense of integrity so that when you hear something which is apparently different makes sense And I think we've already now in that first opening bit we've heard the grounding for this da 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 So when it comes back uh, at this point here Already been prepared for it. So now let's go back and listen to the beginning and just keep going now. Sorry, I'm going to say one other thing. You know, you keep listening to these things and then you suddenly hear something else, just a little touch of a different color. Did you hear that just at the end there? So it's strings, it's violins and cellos. Uh, in unison. Da, 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 de, da, 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 And then just at the end, I, I heard a, a bassoon or something. Did you hear that? hmm that's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> and one last thing that I think is worth pointing out here is it has an air of suspense. I, I think that's very
1: well put, yes, yeah. yes.
0: And I... And I I think interestingly and it's probably something you you only realize with the score but again it's worth kind of articulating why it has an air of suspense so it's the key is F minor uh, and this the, the the note it begins on is C so it begins on what we call the dominant of F minor so this is called 5 in F minor and you never get a tonic chord it's it, Da 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 that's still the C and he wants to go da da we want to go back to that note. But we never get to that home note. So I think the suspense is that there's there's always F minor in the air but we never quite get it. He never gives you that tonic chord. I mean, it's implied because there isn't actually this because this is all in unison there aren't actually chords underneath it kind of articulating the harmony. It's what you hear in your head. Uh, but it's around, the whole of this first tune is around C. So the first note is a C and it ends on a C. You no, know, that's very helpful, Mark, I mean, and very instructive, yes. And then you get the same tune in the woodwind. And we want to go to... So we still haven't. It's still a C. So that last note. You think you've arrived and it's actually still the dominant chord. I'm interested in how you feel that Brahms makes a connection between what we heard at the beginning, the tension between this sort of lullaby-type melody and then the offbeats and then this, which is completely different. You know, where does that, this come from, and why does it make sense?
1: And, and the this mark it refers this, to? This is this kind of chorale-type
0: okay. mm-hmm. melody.
1: Mark, my, my quick response is that it very much, in a sense, uh, shows what you were indicating about the capacity of, of a great composer, and certainly Brahms in this case in the fourth movement, uh, to really catch our attention by suspending, in a sense, what in fact is the future of, of the motif or the future of the rhythm. Uh, and so I take this as really anticipatory. Uh, it just continues to anticipate where he's going, and yet it's ironic or very interesting that the... The, the movement seems to begin very decisively with those two clear notes, and yet at the same time he's able to show that he's, he's yet exploring uh, and, and going forward. And I think it's that movement that I find so important in, in, in significant music. That there is a movement, there's a direction. Uh, not necessarily obvious,
0: but it moves you in that direction. Now that's very helpful. What's interesting is this is not a random movement. Um, it, despite the fact that it appears to have little connection to that first tune and yet it seems somehow connected you know you can think of another composer who might come up with something which is a change which is a movement forward and yet bears little resemblance um, somehow we can make the connection between these two seemingly very different kind of motifs but I think again, it's, it's. I think here the two-two rhythm I think is really what okay. what holds it together, uh, and uh, you know. Okay, you know. Now, and that's very helpful. So yes, so da 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 dee da 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 da, and now we've got da da. Yeah, exactly. Then yeah. yeah. especially when it's in the winds,
1: uh, including the horns, uh, then you get the, the the strumming on the strings, which also emphasizes that at the same time.
0: it's also worth pointing out that uh, we have actually heard this before and it's something I only realized on listening to it today is that this appears in the second movement so again we have the Don. It's interesting, even though it's, it's moving forward, there is a kind of reflection or a reference backwards as well. I mean, obviously across a wider time frame. This is then uh, what we might call the second subject. Uh, So we've reached a different key now. So where we were in F minor, we've now moved to C major. So you have a kind of a, a again a rhythmic tension between the dun 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 dun, the the, the four beat um, in in the bass, and then in the uh, tune you have this kind of triplet da da dee da dum ba dee da da dee da da, da and underneath bum, bum 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 da 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 da. da. that in the bass yes, oh indeed <laughs> and I also think it's it's interesting because it doesn't start on the first beat of the bar it goes <laughs> da da dee da dum. Ba, da de, da dee da and if we kind of go back to our sort of opening just the one two idea and then Brahms has moved us and he's constantly shifting the rhythm and the way he starts phrases to keep the interest to keep that kind of development going as you were pointing out the uh, the triplets in the strings as we're going through this second subject suddenly he stops and everybody kind of gathers together mm-hmm. you've got all the, the this going on with the triplets So it it, it takes a moment of, uh, there's a moment of pause and he takes a breath and then suddenly we all come together. My comment, Mark, would be that I I don't think I have the
1: sophistication uh, to work out all the different elements of the orchestra, but what I find moving again uh, and significant uh, is that you have that feeling again that you, you are in suspense. I mean, it's moving, right. uh, but you know you're not at the end. And, and how you know that uh, perhaps is because uh, you know, it doesn't come to the tonic and, and remains in the dominant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, there is an anticipation uh, in terms of, of what the orchestra is doing or what the music is performing, uh, which I think keeps moving you along. And that, that's what catches my attention.
0: Right, right. So when you say an anticipation, what do you mean precisely?
1: Well, I think I can only say that it's like a conversation uh, that one is having, say, with somebody, uh, and uh, and you continue to develop ideas or, or bring in uh, possibilities or, or new concepts. And so I think in the music, uh, it continues to move through a richness of both orchestration and, uh, and, you say, rhythm and tonality. And somehow, I don't know if I can put it better than this, you have a feeling is we're on our way again, but... We're not there in the most wonderful sense. I mean, it's continuing to explore and to develop the various motifs and rhythms and the kind of interaction of different elements of the orchestra. But there is, and even when you mentioned that pause, it's not the climax. No. Suddenly you realize it's just, it's just a pause, kind of take your breath and we will move on.
0: Love this theme. It's, it's so triumphant in a way and yet it's so many miles away from a simply trite triumphant.
1: No, I, I really agree yeah. with that. That was the point I've been trying to make. Yeah. That, that's right.
2: <laughs>
0: It's interesting the way that he divides the rhythm up between the orchestra. So you have the straight 4 4 going on in the bass, and then you have the offbeat or the syncopation in the string. So it's going bom, 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 da da dun, da da dun. And there's so much going on in the orchestra the whole time.
1: No, I really agree, Mark. I think one of the interesting things is to, as we repeat and, and hear and repeat and hear, as you say, we hear different things, and there is a complexity here and and a richness uh, which I think is what distinguishes really fine music. As uh, you realize in listening, you have to hear it again and again. You and, and when you hear it again, you, you continue to hear it anew, uh, and it's very fascinating in that sense.
0: This bit and then the violins get the da and the the dada is taken over by the rest of the orchestra so you've got the bass going bom 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 you've got <laughs> and then the violins play da and the are taken over by I guess uh, the lower strings listen to the bass now the violins and, and the rest of the orchestra has the duh-duh-duhs. we're kind of running out of time I've just got a couple more things I'd like to touch on the first is the chorale so that chorale that we heard at the beginning so dun, 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 dun. He takes that and puts it in the brass and you have this incredible moment where you have the, the strings going wild with the triplet figures and the brass pounding out this corral. And if you can somehow listen to both of those two things at the same time, it becomes very exciting. <laughs>
1: I'd like to make, Mark, once you, once you indicate that, uh, is again when I made reference to a notion of conversation or a relationship between two people or of individuals, uh, is that there are always yet inherent possibilities. I mean, in terms of, I think we would talk about an original composer, uh, obviously, like Brahms, at his best. Uh, he's always showing us that we have, in a sense, as you say, the, the melodies, the tunes. And at the same time, he, he explores new possibilities, and he, he continues to arouse our interest uh, and have expectations because we have to actually know the tune, uh, but in fact we don't know the tune uh, right. because in fact <laughs> it's nice. still yet to be discovered. And uh, and I think that really is wondrous uh, in fine music.
0: That's a lovely segue into the end. Now
1: I find the end quite surprising. <laughs> uh, you know, for uh, in, you know, in, in uh, what sense? Well, in the sense is that it becomes it, it becomes very quiet. Uh, and of course, that's not unlike the end of the first movement. It's uh, again telling us that you know expectations uh, are here. Uh, but you may not know where I'm going yet. Okay.
0: So we're ending in F major, very softly. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting, of course, is that it is almost precisely the same ending as the first movement. Indeed, yes. And it's worth just listening to the first movement to hear that ending. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. And in the last moment you have... Well, Brady, it's been a pleasure.
1: Well, thank you very much, Mark, and I I agree with
0: you. Thank you for listening to this Music Listening Project podcast with me, Mark Whale, and Professor Brady Polka. The performance we were listening to was by the Philharmonia Orchestra conducted by Otto Klemperer in 1957. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tune in to other episodes which may be found on iTunes. Thank you.